0: Hello Tammy Peterson, um, and welcome to uh, Parallax Podcast. That, that's our, our channel here. Uh, very excited to speak to you, and very surprised that you actually said yes to speak to me because you've spoken so little. It's uh,
1: true, I've spoken very little. So I've far. only
0: seen like two interviews. I want to tell you that I, I listened to your conversation with Michaela on my mm-hmm. 50th birthday. And it really touched me, your, your sense of, of, of wanting to serve and wanting to, um, you know, uh, serve, serve God and, and all that. Um, and I've also listened to your podcast from, from Kurt Gemigal and, and he, he answered many of the questions I wanted to ask you already. But I, I remember the first, my first question to, to you is, is, you said in that podcast that you made a deal with God. So, so I, I want to hear about your deal with God.
1: Well, thanks for inviting me. It's good to be here. Um, A deal with God. Yeah. Um, I can't even remember quite when that was because really the it it was before that that I realized how important God was to me uh, in a new way. It was, you know, the day day I got the prognosis for my uh, cancer and I was told I had 11 months to live was the day that I saw things differently. And so that was the pivotal day, I think, that God came in and knocked on my door, and I looked at him, and it made a difference because all of a sudden I realized that I wasn't in this game for myself. And I had never really fully realized that before. You know, I, I had tried to be present with my family and to do service for uh You know, I was a massage therapist, my clients, I did service, but not as specifically as this. This was more giving up myself. This, you know, I had never really given up, right? I was still full of self-will at that point. But at that point, I realized that my plans weren't working. My plans hadn't worked. They didn't work. I was going to die. And so that, you know, was the moment. And then I think it was further along when I was in the hospital and uh, going probably for my surgery. So really, it was probably only a week or two after that, that I made a deal. I prayed to him and I said, if you let me live, I'll share when anyone asks me. I'll, you know, I won't hold back. And um, I have always been quite private and not not, um, comfortable saying what I had to say Mm. for whatever reason that was.
0: So does that mean that that now you feel like you have something to say? Like I had this image of, let's say, uh, you know, before when Jordan was very famous that you being sort of the power behind that in some sense, or the, you know, keeping that going from behind, like the power behind the throne is the, is the mythological motive. And then, and then now you seem like you want to step outside of behind the throne and like, well, be a, I could say be a queen, which is kind of silly, but, 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 but just actually speak out and, and, uh, um, and, and that you might have something really important to say right now um, to people.
1: Well, during our um, tour, I was working as his strategic planner for each day. So I'm, I made every day go smoothly. And, and, you know, at first it was kind of bumpy, so I had to figure out uh, how many interviews he could do without being exhausted uh, and how much sleep he needed to give a good lecture and what time of day the interviews should be so that his mind was clear for the lectures and still be as in you know still help people who want to talk to him as much as I could I didn't want to close him off from people but I wanted to make it go well and I wanted him to be confident so I had to you know make sure that he uh was uh he had his food and his sleep and no stress about anything during the day so that when he got there there was nothing on his mind but what he was going to say so that's what I did, but at the same time, um, other than that, I was just just there, and I thought, "What am I doing here?" So mm-hmm. I asked myself that probably for the whole year. What am I doing here? I mean, I know I'm being helpful, and and that's good, and I get to fly around the world, and that's fun, but what am I doing here?
0: I guess there's and a I difference. never did
1: answer that.
0: Mm.
1: I never answered it. I just kept asking, "What am I doing here?"
0: Yeah. I guess there's a difference between serving your husband, like as you know, helping your one person and and then serving the divine or or that kind of motivation. Um,
1: Yeah. You know, when I was in my twenties, I had a dream. Uh, I had a dream that I was putting on my grandmother's shoes and they were too small. And my grandmother, who I really loved my father's mom, uh, she was a wonderful, very generous person at her funeral. All the grandkids that came and said they were all her favorites. That's what she was like. You know, everybody thought they were her favorite, mm-hmm. but, but she really did stay home and mm. that's what she did. She served her family. And I mm. took that dream to mean that although I was going to serve my family, that wasn't going to be my only destiny.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was reading Marie von France, one of, one of Jung's students and, she spoke a lot about individuation for women mm-hmm. um and that, and that, that that's often very hard because you are doing so much service all the time for your children and uh and then but that's an important step maybe in in a, a woman's um a woman's life um otherwise you you might feel i mean especially you you said that you were very artistically inclined and that kind of thing that you might feel that you might feel resentment might build up or anger might build up or, or that kind of thing uh, might, might build up a little bit or, and you would, you would feel that. Um, I don't know. I'm putting words in your mouth. Is that, does that make any, does that make sense to you? and where you're Well, right um, now, it
1: can happen that way. It definitely can mm-hmm. happen that way. And it did in part happen that way for me. Um, It was complicated. You know, my daughter was very ill, right. When I, when she, when yes. she was young. And so that, in itself was enough of a um, responsibility that I left myself behind.
0: Mm.
1: And, you know, when I look back on it, if you talk to her, she had a good childhood. She She was out there playing with her friends and doing the things that kids do and stuff. She didn't need me there all the time. There were pivotal times. You know, there were pivotal times where I had to be there with her and support Mm -hmm. her. But really, uh, through a lot of her childhood, she was okay. And the other thing I did was I was a massage therapist. And then Mm -hmm. I left, you know, I I was like an artist, a massage therapist, an artist, a Mm -hmm. massage therapist. I kind of wove those two things through my life. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: she had been quite ill. And then we got her medication. Then she was better. And I thought, Mm -hmm. and then, and then. Yeah, she was better. And I had been in art school, and I had done really well and had a really good time. Um, I lost a baby. I lost my third baby, but I was in my late 30s. So that was going to be my last baby. And I, with Michaela getting so ill, and then also losing a baby kind of took the stuffing out of me. Mm. It And I decided to do something safer, which was to get my massage therapy license instead of going forward in this artistic manner that I had been going before. And so I took uh, And I liked going to getting my license and massage. I liked the people that I worked with. They were usually artists, actors, they were similar, very open minded people just like me. And um, so I really enjoyed it and thought maybe this is a good place for me. So I, and as Michaela got older and then got very sick again, my massage uh, capabilities became very important. I used to do a, mas- I had put my table at the end of her bed and massaged her to make her comfortable enough to sleep at night when she didn't have any uh, when she had no cartilage in her hip, she couldn't lay down. She couldn't stand up. She was just in pain all the time, right? So, so it, so it was good. But I was always wondering why, why, aren't, why am I not doing any art? This was always so important to me. I always carried a sketchbook. I sketched everyone I went out with. I sketched the the blues musicians in the bars, and I sketched. Uh, Jordan would have you know his cohort in his PhD I sketched all of them too you know so but I also massaged them all so I had (laughs) you know you sketched everybody
0: and massaged them and
1: I massaged them too I had at a party I can remember they were all laying down one after the other and I was just (laughs) going through them (laughs) it was very funny they were letting me practice it was that was pretty good but I didn't... Professors
0: need to be massaged a lot because they're so uh, intellectual all the time. They get stuck
1: in their heads, Stuck in their
0: bodies, yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: That's right. Yeah, they thought it was okay. And I do think they needed it. But anyway, I never did my art until... uh, Like little little things I did until just very, very recently.
0: Uh Right. So...
1: Like recent, very recently, I would say the last, during COVID anyway, during COVID, that's when I began.
0: So you were talking about this question of what am I doing here? And, and it seems like it was not only when you were on tour, but that question might've been there for you. And that might've been why you, I mean, if if you don't have a reason to make art or there, there's, uh-huh. if there's a lack of, 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 of reason to, to do that extra kind of expression, Um it, it mm-hmm. could die. I, mean, I know that as a musician um, because I go through periods mm-hmm. of where, where I where I you know d- do music and then it sort of stops and, and family takes over and things like that. but
1: Well, I know now from praying, because I've been mm-hmm. doing a lot of praying, that it's the practice, that's the important part. And although mm-hmm. everybody wants it to be the show, that's the important part. It's the practice, that's the important part, the show you know, it's like, a, it's like being happy, right? Yeah, you practice and then now and then you get to be happy. It's yeah. it's not the happiness, it's the practice in order to be satisfied. That's what you're doing. And so I think that I recognize that more for my art now, too. It, it's a practice. Mm. It's a daily practice as meditation was, or as yoga was, or as prayer is, art is the same thing, just like writing, if I was a writer, and I'm not a writer, if I was a writer, it it was. It, it's the day to day. George mm-hmm. says, you know, you yeah. write every day. It oh, doesn't yeah. matter what. And when the, the kids were little and we went on holidays, he still wrote every morning. He never mm-hmm. did every day he wrote. And I wanted to say that during those 150 shows that I went to with Jordan, and I was there present for at least, at, we think about 150 uh, shows. So I sat through his biblical series and I traveled the world and I went to all the lectures. And then when I had this prognosis and this change of of philosophy, change of attitude, I think that in part is thanks to all of those lectures that I listened to. I think that all of the knowledge that I got from his books and, and uh, I listened to the audiobooks when he he uh, mm. recorded Maps of Meaning and 12 Rules. I listened to those. I went to the studio with him every day and listened to all of those. So I think that my change of attitude and speaking about this, I have a lot of gratitude for all of the time that I was present with him and listening and learning. So, yeah.
0: Um, yeah. Well, I, I have a question about that because... I've listened to hundreds of hours of Jordan Peterson's lectures, like, you know, a million young, young men out there and felt very inspired by them. And when he disappeared, there's, there was a sort of, you know, almost like a desert, like it's like something's missing in the world. And now he's back. Um, and, and you're both back and and it's, it's just, it's, it's such an incredible story. I mean, it's like you've both died and been reborn in a sense. Like yeah, it's such, really, a, it's, yeah. such a, it's such an incredible story, um, and and when I hear Jordan talk about God, he seems very he he he's he's not so uh, like he says, um, I I hope he exists or I act like he exists, and 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 but he he doesn't seem to have taken it on fully like 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 you have. I'm, I'm, do I have that wrong or or?
1: Well, I don't know. I think he just may not ha- quite have access to it the way I have access to it, and mm. I hope. Well, but he him. gives a lot of
0: people access to that. It seems to me, yeah. I mean. or he—he's yeah. he's brought a lot of people there um, yeah. in one way or another, um, in small ways, and, and maybe in your and in, in your experience, in large ways. But it, it, it's—it almost seems like um, I almost feel like I want that for him as well, or something. Oh Is sure, that so yeah, that would be
1: <laughs> or, that would be good. But I'm, I'm sure that his tremendous focus. That he put into his work in this way had something to do with his yearning for a relationship. I'm I'm guessing, but I'm yearning for a relationship with God um, that was never um, easy for him, and so he, you know, looked everywhere for it. to make sense of life. And he gave us, he gave that to everyone now, Mm -hmm. many, many different ways to look at it and to find, uh, the divine.
0: Yeah. Because you were sitting in the hospital and this woman came next to you and and offered you the hail Mary prayer. And you said, Mm -hmm. why not? (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's, that's different than this Herculean struggle. Your, your husband seems (laughs) to have with, with God or, uh, you're just like, why not? I I mean, I know your struggle as well, but, 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 um,
1: by then, though, although it was it was uh, quite a struggle, I was I spent a lot of time just being grateful that my family was around me, that I was in a hospital, that people were trying, they didn't know what to do, but they were trying, and uh, I don't know. It's very strange because I really feel like. The illness that I went through was a was a was a was a learning experience for sure. It was a it was my learning experience. You know, it was I had I've had trials before, but this trial was profound, and
0: the I think learning experience is not strong enough uh, <laughs> a way of putting what, what what you've been through. I mean, you 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 came very close to death, right, and you came back. I mean, you you describe Again. it yourself as as a death and rebirth uh, experience, right? I mean, I, that's what you said. Yeah,
1: you know, it was well when I had surgery. The surgery went well. Uh-huh. I I was I was you know I was relieved and I thought I would probably live at that point. So from then on, it was more a matter of how much I was going to suffer in my life from then on, mm. because yeah. I was in quite an uncomfortable position to have tubes coming out of me uh, for my my body fluids and having that maybe be the way I was going to live. So so although, um, I mean, I think my attitude changed like a life and death experience, mm. but, but you myself...
0: Also, I, I mean, okay. you also spoke about how, how you your your healing process was an imaginal uh, kind of thing like it wasn't just that the doctors healed you but 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 there was some spiritual process going on that you were working with this whole time like you talked about white light and gold light and that that kind of thing and yeah uh, Yeah. it seems like that kind of an experience is something that people in the modern world or people who don't have access to that um you know are, are, are impoverished because they think of the body as just this machine that you try to fix and and but that there's obviously more going on there.
1: I think that there is, for instance, this morning I was doing yoga and I was meditating at the end of it. Oh, no, it was a little mindful meditation that I did this morning for 15 minutes, and I was told to breathe in and to focus on one part of my body, and I have some nerve pain in my left foot uh, that was caused by the trauma that my body went through, and it's never reconciled so um, I I put my focus there and I could make my foot hot you know I could I could pay attention to my foot and it it really became the most present thing and I'm hoping that if I do that every day that it'll mm, heal yeah that's what I'm hoping so we'll
0: see I, I think that sort <laughs> of experience has become educated out of people I remember when I was a kid I used to get these incredible headaches at school and I could make them go away by, by mm. dissolving them in gold and things like that. Like, it, oh, yeah. sort of experiences that you, and that would just came to me like I, I wasn't taught it by anything, but but mm-hmm. but, I, but I think we're capable of so much more in our minds than than we actually actually think.
1: Well, the mind, the whole mindful meditation, the idea that to be present with your breath gives you a space, a, a little bit of space to be with God, because as many people have said that God is in the space between words and in the breath, you know, it's not, it's not what we say. It's what we, it's the moment between what we say. That's where God is. Yeah. That's why we have to be quiet for, you know, even two minutes a day is really, really important to be quiet and to listen and not be talking because, you know, you can pray and pray and pray, but if you don't take the time to listen afterwards, then you're not going to actually experience what God has for you.
0: Well, that's why i never was able to do church because you pray mm-hmm. and you'd sing and you'd sit on a hard bench and you would listen to somebody give you a lot of more moral you know support or whatever but mm-hmm. but i but i i took to meditation younger because 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 of that because because you would just sit in silence and and uh, it was sort of less dogmatic and that seemed to be the point M- more than anything to me um,
1: yes that's true that I, I never thought of that about church yeah it was um they were maybe uncomfortable with silence yeah. but which lots of people are i, I know the church is
0: also a place where you can go and be in silence and that's an important aspect of you know I, I, yes christians are going to be angry at me probably but for saying that but but that was no my but you experience can go as on as your younger, own younger person you know yes hmm. Yes. Yeah. So I was wondering about your, your, your um, you know, I wanted to bring up Michaela because I was kind of shocked by the times thing. And, and I, I think that she's been so kind of, heroic okay this is the word that came to my mind when I think of Michaela trying to save her father's life risking everything saying no to all the these stupid doctors and and standing her own ground and not taking any bullshit and just such a brave person and then to be to be insulted and called a Barbie and all those kind of things it's a weird kind of misogyny coming from sort of the arch feminist point point of view And, and, and I was wondering about that and then it also occurred to me that your husband talks about heroism, you know, the, the heroic myth mm-hmm. and, and killing the dragon and that kind of thing. I, I was wondering about if you agree with me that your, your daughter has behaved heroically and also if and maybe you too. But also is heroism, is is there a difference between female heroism and the male heroism between or is it the same thing or, or is there a crossover or do you find... Can we talk about female heroism? Because we've spoken so much about male heroism, and uh, Jordan Jordan's spoken so much about that.
1: Well, in terms of Michaela and her heroic me- and the heroic measures she took, you know, Michaela really had a life so far of figuring of figuring out her health issues.
0: Right, it went way back to. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. You know, ever since I mean, when she was a little girl, she thought that um, she would just get better. It was like a flu that she had. We told her she had rheumatoid arthritis. So, you know, she was eight, seven years old, eight years old. So she thought when the doctors figured out what it was, and she got some pills, she'd be better. So it took her uh, years, really, until she realized that this was something that was going to this was just with her. It was part of her and, and uh, it would be something to contend with. And so very, very early in her life, she had to contend with something. And I think if you meet anyone who's had to contend with pain for, mm. for that much of their life, um, you're going to see somebody who has learned how to contend with, with life. And she learned how to contend with doctors.
0: Yeah, right. She, hard. she went, she saw many tell you all doctors, kinds of things, don't they? I mean, doctors, yeah, and
1: psychiatrists, tell you so many too.
0: things, and you get so much mixed information. And
1: yes, um, you really, you know. really do. And she's she knows now you don't go to a doctor alone, you always take someone with you because huh. it's stressful and you might forget what they've said or forget to ask certain things. So it's really good to always have somebody be with you, no matter what. And I agree with her that that's a very important thing, and also. Uh,
0: Maybe this concept of iotrogenic you know, disease. Um, you know, I have a friend named Zach Stein who says that that's that's a plague in in the society today. Um, Doctor caused illnesses, side effects from you know um, all, all these drugs that the doctors are, are giving and and doctors. I think have it's this like the third authority. leading cause
1: of death is doctors is uh, medical mistakes.
0: Right. So that 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 is a plague in a sense. The third leading yeah. cause of death. If that many people are. Are dying from that and, know, and are victims of that. And and people have so much faith in the medical system. And you know. yeah,
1: maybe they don't. I don't I don't know. I, I was I was fortunate. I had so much family around me that I, and my my sister's a palliative care nurse. Jordan's sister was a nurse. Um, I have a pharmacist for a sister as well. So I had these people. I have a nephew who's a doctor. So I have all of these medical people in my family. And they were all working dil- diligently to figure things out. Mm, so, yeah, mm, although yeah. although Michaela ended up going to Russia, it was a real family affair figuring out what to do mm. and making the decisions that uh, we made. Yeah. Um, you know, we had no choice when when George went to Russia. He was in a hospital in Toronto, and they were just adding more and more medications to him and. He wasn't. He was just getting worse yeah, and worse I, and worse. That
0: would have killed so him. So we right, took him out maybe. of there.
1: I think. Hmm. Well, yeah. I don't. He, he wouldn't have lasted that long. I don't think. No. He had already. He had already uh, nearly died from it. So he, going down that road had not worked. It was obvious that it wasn't going to work, and there weren't any options. Good options in North America. Mm-hmm. Um, we we knew of one doctor who was in somewhere in the in the middle of America, who deals with difficult cases. But, you know, we would have had to take Jordan to the States and he had already spent a whole bunch of time in Connecticut and in Florida, and you can only spend so much time in the States. And the doctors are only licensed to work within their States. So Mm. it was complicated, although he might have been a good person to uh, see and still might be. It it was it wasn't a straightforward issue. You wouldn't think going to Serbia would be a straightforward issue either though. But that's one of the on problems that happens go. when yeah. you have money. If uh-huh. you have money, then all of a sudden you have way more options. So yeah, you know, when George went off to Russia, I was I was thinking, man, this is very strange. And if we hadn't had all this money, this wouldn't have happened.
0: Right. So so, so we can think of all the ordinary people that are suffering from this that don't have the options that that you guys yep. might, might have had, yeah.
1: Yep, that's true. Yeah, we did. We had options, but then again, some of those options might not be the right options. But now you have so many options, it's difficult to decide which are the good ones and which are the bad ones.
0: Yeah, because because I guess the human body is so complex and and. Um, <laughs> and the mind, yes. And the mind uh, together, and and it's not just a machine that you can just tweak. And then here and there's there. God,
1: and then and, there's okay. God who's running the show. Yeah.
0: And then and then you and guys seem to be impossible
1: to understand.
0: Both of you, and and actually all three of you, Michaela and Jordan, you seem to be a recipient of miracles in a sense. Like, but you you should all not be here um, from from a, you know medical perspective. <laughs> um Yeah, in some right, ways. right, right, right. Um,
1: yeah, okay. no miracles. I've been having. Since my attitude has changed, I have miracles. Like I have miracles all the time, all daily the time. miracles, little Are, miracles. You know, the, every day.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm curious to ask you, but I wonder if that's an indiscreet question. You know, if you can give me some what? examples of mi- some miracles that, that have happened miracles.
1: To you. Mm, let me see if I can think of a miracle. Well, there, there's there's simply this. So, um, I've always I've always been an independent person and made my own decisions and lived by them and when i got married and had children i felt r- responsible for them um, maybe more than i might have been responsible for them you know cuz you mm-hmm. literally you can only change yourself you can't change other people but i i went further than that and and, and was quite consumed by what other people should be doing to make their lives Uh, tolerable. And, um, you know, I've learned now that that's uh, an erroneous um, plan Mm -hmm. because it it just brings, well, first of all, it brings disappointment because nobody's going to run their life like you think they ought to. Mm -hmm. So that's disappointing. And it's disappointing for people because all they hear from you is what they haven't done right. So it's just a disappointing Mm -hmm. way of going about things. And so when I stopped doing that, and I stopped doing that and I was listening instead, pausing and listening to see how things went. Okay, so this is, so last week I have a granddaughter, she's three, and she comes over and visits me for the day on Wednesdays. And I also have a friend who comes to see me on Wednesdays. And both of them were going to arrive about the same time in the morning. And I realized that I had, you know, I would kind of double booked. Because I have this three-year-old coming and this other woman who I have to pay attention to at the same time. But I decided that I would just let things go and we'd see how it went. And so I'm at the playground and my friend's going to come to the playground and I'm pushing my grandchild on the swing. And she arrives and I, I ask her if she's got her books with her that we were going to discuss things with. And she said, yeah, they were in the car. I'm like, okay, okay, they're in the car. I won't push anything because here we are at the playground and so they were at the playground and, she, and my friend's actually very much enjoying my granddaughter and she does love my granddaughter. So we were having, and then my friend wanted to go for a little walk to the uh, Starbucks to get a coffee, which was closed now because of COVID, it doesn't even exist mm-hmm. anymore. And uh, I had to mail something and I had to mail it overnight. It was really, really important. So for me, that was exactly what I needed to do at that moment. So I said, yes. And, off we went to Starbucks and I had until noon and then I had another meeting. So I had, I wanted to have the meeting with this woman, but because my granddaughter was there, it was complicated. So was this meeting going to happen or not? I don't know. So I was letting it happen in God's time because I thought, well, if it's not going to happen, then it's not supposed to happen. So I, I'll just let it go. So we go to Starbucks and on the way back, she calls her son, asks him if he wants to ride home at lunch. She says, no. So she says, well, I think I have about 10 minutes and then I'll have to go. And you have a meeting in 10 minutes. I said, yeah, let's talk about, you know, this issue that we were going to talk about. We talked about it for 10 minutes. It was exactly what we needed to talk about. There wasn't any more than that that was necessary or maybe even uh, maybe it would have been detrimental to speak further we had 10 minutes we went through it and she left and it was a perfect morning although the morning I spent stopping myself from worrying about whether it was going the right way or not you know so it's faith
0: yeah yeah
1: yeah. and so that's what I I meditate that's what I mean by little miracles is stepping back and seeing life go and that it goes without my hands holding on to the steering wheel yeah mm-hmm.
0: in fact I feel like this interview happened like that in a way because um I I I, I listened to your conversation with, with Michaela and I was touched by that right and and so I just said okay what the hell I'll, I'll write Tammy because I somehow had your email from when I was working with Rebel Wisdom and uh oh. and then you 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 responded right away um you know and I work for a media a small media group that we're trying to get People and, and so 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 you're a big catch if you don't mind me saying so. But, oh. <laughs> but but my my motivation wasn't that. It was it was really it was more of a heart motivation. I think at that time when I wrote you. So so I think that's kind of interesting. Is like when we try to manipulate reality to suit our um, agenda, it kind of it kind of doesn't work, never works, does it?
1: No, it doesn't work. That's right. It doesn't work as well. And and then you always wonder why you're frustrated by this happening and this happening. It's because you're you're putting too much self-will into everything, and you're not letting your hands off of it to let God show you the way. Because he will. He does. And I have a a housekeeper who's here today. She's lovely. She's Filipino, and uh, she's uh, all about God. And she was Mm -hmm. just telling me this morning, because her husband had COVID, and she happened to be immune, so she never even got it. And she came after maybe four weeks of being away because she was at home taking care of him and he's fine, by the way. But she was saying how uh, miracles just happened to her. She said that it, when she was a young girl in Northern Philippines, she used to cook. They had some land. So they were better off than most people. And she would cook and give the food to people who didn't have any, even when she was a young girl. Mm-hmm. And so she's always had that same attitude of giving. And her father said, You'll never have you'll never be rich with things, but you'll be rich because you live for the world. You know, you're here you're here for and and that's just she's just a she said, When I do your your house, I I do it the best I can do it. And that makes me happy and that makes you more happy. And what's better than that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so, and so, and I have a the fellow who comes and fixes things for me in the house. He's just a wonderful, smiley fellow, and he s- does exactly what he says he's going to do. and And he's respectful
0: and generous yeah. and kind, so and, often very oh, simple, simple, wonderful, people, simple people are, are you know people who don't make their lives complex or or are, are are more generous than people who have, you know, amassed all kinds of, you know, complicated lives of, of some sort. Well,
1: they can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, I think, yeah. Cause that could You know, it can, it can get pretty strange if you're trying to climb up one way, you know, if money is, is that much important, then everything is going to become unbalanced.
0: Yeah. It
1: has to be balanced. Life mm-hmm. has to be balanced. And yeah. there's a really good, uh, if you're going to say anything to someone, sometimes you want to say something and you not don't know if you should or not. There's a really good uh, rule. There's uh, You can think of there's four obsessions that you have to obsess about. Gratitude, mm-hmm. yeah. love, kindness, and tolerance. And if what you say doesn't have all those things, then they're not worth saying.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. If yeah, just I, I, can, I can I you can believe that on will. an I can believe that on an intellectual level, you know, um, for sure. Um, mm-hmm. um, I, it seems that it seems that some you know we can we can live that to a greater or lesser uh, extent.
1: Yes, and I feel like when I start my day, I start it with God, in the as soon as I wake up, and I do all my prayer and my meditation and sometimes yoga. And try to prepare myself for the day ahead, to stay with God as much as I can, and um, hope that when I come to the evening and I review whether I've been you know dishonest or uh, or treated anyone badly or anything that I can get to the end of the day and have not done anything like that. I hope that I haven't, but if I have, then, you know, it's uh, time to make amends for anything that I've done, so that the next day I can get up and start again.
0: How do and you do that? Really, How do you make amends for it?
1: Well, first I mean, of for, all, we recognize all of our it.
0: little, uh, you know, um, ways in which we are not true to ourselves or or, or not true to other people, and, and and all of us are in that boat, right? None of us are, or or most of us are not holy saints. So,
1: <laughs> right, right. No, it's a day to day. It's a day to day occurrence every night, I have to go through this process to see what I've done and if it's been true or not if it If everything was um love love through of love tolerance, kindness, and gratitude if the if that was how i I conducted my day, then I can go to sleep with no trouble. But if I didn't, if there's something that I didn't do, then I have to recognize it before I go to sleep, and if it's not too late, I could share it with someone. Um, just, just to um, get it straight in my head, really to get it straight. It's good to share with someone because you, we, we're not supposed to live alone, right? We're, we're supposed to be with one another. It keeps our heads straight.
0: There's and a sense so, of confession in what you're saying as well, right? Yeah, Maybe not right. a formal church sense yeah. of confession, but, but just actually admitting or, or seeing it or observing it and then sharing with, with somebody else. And
1: Oh, yeah. 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 An immediate confession you want. You want, you know, every day to confess before you go to sleep. Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. Because if you don't do it right away, then it festers and and builds, it builds into, becomes a monster, as as your husband would probably (laughs) say. Yeah,
1: well, it wakes you up at four in the morning and you think, oh, my God, what did I do? You know, it wakes you up. Your conscience wakes you up. It says, hey, there's something here that you didn't attend to before you went to sleep.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: You, You have to attend to that. And that's what—that's why people wake up in the middle of the night with worries.
0: Yeah. So it's—it's. It's, I guess it's—it's it's about being. Is it? Would you say it's about being a, as, as as conscious uh, as much as you can during the whole day? I mean, for example, I, I stopped watching television about a month ago because I realized that I was going to bed with all this stuff in my head and and, and sleeping badly, and and so I just said, mm. I, no more television. And that, that sort of seemed to help, <laughs> but yeah, um,
1: that helps. So there's no perhaps more news. ways. No ways more news of, is good
0: too. <laughs> ways of perhaps giving up things all the time, and and it's just staying with what is essential. Um, yes.
1: Well, I gave up news twenty five years ago. Yeah. I gave up reading the newspaper a long time ago, and uh, TV. I never had a TV. I still don't watch television, but I do watch. Um, I watch some TV with my husband before I go to sleep because, well, that it's it's a part of the day that he's quite calm and relaxed, and so we like to share that together. But we don't watch anything of any with any stress in it. Nothing, Uh, okay, because we notice that that doesn't work well for the sleep and for the next day.
0: Mm -hmm. So I I, I have to say, I I get, I love these. I can get really get. Involved in the drama of these Netflix series and stuff like that, but I think that's the same thing. It's like getting getting involved in a drama of some kind in your mind is what what stops you from having this perhaps experience you're speaking of of uh-huh. uh, grace or, or, or something like that.
1: Yeah, and I have, I sometimes have meetings in the evenings that are spiritual. Those are good mm-hmm. night, good good evenings when I have a spiritual evening meeting. I really like that. Mm-hmm. I like it a lot. Oh yeah. You know, if, if I can if I can find God in the room, that that's that's great. And you know, God comes right in on Zoom, which is pretty remarkable. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed.
0: <laughs> pretty, I was thinking actually that we had this all this problem in the beginning, technical problems. And I was thinking there's always a technical uh 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 issue in the way of or there's always a technical barrier between people right now in some sense. And then and then yes. also there's there's this incredible potential to uh to, to talk to people from, uh, you know, across the ocean, but.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's fascinating. We are also and you know, I, I'm, pr- because humber. I was pretty shy and pretty quiet. I, yeah. I'm I'm alone in this room, which is, which I'm comfortable with, you know? Yeah. So now I can talk to the world and still be alone in my house where I'm comfortable. That's pretty good. Oh, so, so that's,
0: that's, that's preferable to you than being up on, on a stage somewhere or. or being, oh Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, there's, there's this quiet, intimate space, and then having a conversation with somebody, and then yeah, um, yeah, I'm I, a one-on-one I, I, person. Do you know John Verveke? Have you met him? Or do you know who he is? Yes, yes, yeah. I don't I, know him
1: well, but I do know
0: him. Yeah, I've had I've had several conversations with him, and he talks about this thing called dialogos, and and dialogos is when you know, um, is when there's this presence enters the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's something mm-hmm. more than just. Uh, you know, a uh, blah blah blah, going on. There's there's some sort of presence in the conversation, which is different than, let's say, uh, um, you know, back and forth or 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 uh, a debate or, or or something like that. Anyway. Yes,
1: that's right. No, for sure there is. Uh, I was listening to a woman last night. She was talking about living in the third dimension. She's a, she was an elderly woman. Hmm. She had to be well into her 80s. She was talking about living in the third dimension. And when you were praying, then you were in the fourth dimension. And so we're in the third dimension to doing all of our work and our family and all of that. We're living yeah. in it. But it's all in preparation to have access to the fourth dimension.
0: Huh. Uh, well, OK. was also thinking about something um, Jordan Peterson said about, about when he does grace in the evening. like He says grace. And he said that that was the best part of his day. Um, when he was in pain and, you know, having a hard time, um, I think that's very interesting because I think when I do meditation practice and my, you know, practices that I do, I think that's the best part of my day too. Um, on, on, you know, on the other hand, there's all this resistance to do that at the same time. So it's not like I'm there yet that it would be where I would want to live, but I, but, I, but I, but I guess that's what you, it's, it's a daily, it's a work, right? It's daily work. Um,
1: Yeah, well, I also do it if I have to have a blood test, or I have to have a scan of some sort, which I have to have now and then, just because they aren't sure that I'm healthy yet or not, although I'm pretty healthy. Um, I pray in the scanner, you know, I pray uh, while they're doing the blood work. Uh, I pray when I'm getting needles of any kind or anything, I just, I pray. And then uh, those things aren't as horrible it's just not as horrible
0: hmm.
1: it's much and, it goes time a new it goes thing by for you, or is
0: that something you've been doing all your life
1: no it's not something i've been no. doing all my life it's since i started praying the rosary
0: and that's the hail mary um prayer yeah
1: yeah yeah and i learned all of that so i know it hmm. there's a there's a the apostles creed at the beginning that's quite long where you say that you believe in in god and and go through that before you pray and then afterwards there's another prayer uh, Hail, Holy Queen, so this is more to, to Mary at the end. So you're praying to God in the beginning, of,
0: uh-huh. and then
1: you pray to Mary at the end. Mm. And uh, I've got it pretty much all memorized now so that if I'm anywhere, I can pray. I can pray anywhere because I have it. But it's best mm. if I pray out loud because I don't remember the words unless I pray out loud. And that's probably has something to do with chanting, you know, chanting in, in meditation I guess
0: when you speak, it makes it real. It It, it brings it into makes it real. Makes it real on some level. Yeah,
1: Yeah. and my memory about it is much better if I can hear it. It's different Mm -hmm. if I think it than if I hear it. So it seems there's something more real about it if I can hear it. Mm -hmm. And that's why grace. You say it out loud. You know, you hold hands. It's a, um, it's a ritual that uh, brings that fourth dimension into reality, into the third dimension. Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. I like
1: that. I like
0: that. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's great. I think a lot of people will think that's very wacky, but I I think that's, there's a truth to that. Um,
1: (laughs) I think there's a truth to that because we don't understand God. We don't understand our spirituality. It's not of this. We can't see it. It's not here. And so um, it's got to be a different dimension, yeah. yeah. that we have access to. But we have to be really quiet. <laughs> and we have to be really careful.
0: And we have to be aware oh, of the... It, so, you it, were talking about how it was in, in your interview with Kurt about, about the subtlety of, of that. It's, it's extremely subtle. Extremely subtle.
1: Yeah. Um, it definitely uh, is. It it's takes, like the most uh, subtle
0: thing that you're talking about, I think.
1: Oh, yeah. And things like uh, resentments, resentments that uh, grow over years you know they can grow over hours but they can grow over years and then to have access to those resentments in order to heal them uh that's a process that i'm learning so that that's very interesting as you said you know women can put themselves into their family and give themselves up and then resentments can grow and yeah so what do you do about that because then there you are, your kids have left home and you're left with that resentment. It doesn't just go away. It it sits inside you and comes out now and then when it's triggered, right? So you don't want that around. So what do you do? So I found with this art, I set myself up a place in the house to do art. So I have a really good art table. I have really good light, really good lighting. I have natural light and lighting. Um, I have all these Zoom courses that I'm taking and all of the you know, pastels and all of the pencils that I need and all of that. So I'm set up and I'm doing my art classes and, uh, George comes downstairs in the morning and he asks me for something right in the middle of learning perspective by some teacher who's speaking a hundred miles an hour. And so, oops, (laughs) funny little camera. Anyway, um, I told him that he could go that I, we didn't need to discuss what he needed me to buy for groceries at the moment that he could go, which, and I was dismissive. And he noticed I was dismissive. So that evening he said, what was with this dismissiveness that I used on? And I said, that's a good question. Okay. Let's think about that for a minute. So I thought about that for a minute and I thought, you know what? I think I blame you in part for me not doing my art when I was married for those 20 years. And Ooh. that's silly. Cause it was my choice not to do art. He was encouraging yeah. of my art. He so was for probably, me to blame for me to blame him was my own it was of my own making. I mean it was a complicated situation. It wasn't going to be done perfectly. We did pretty well. Um and I left my I left my passion for uh art and, and this passion that I have for art, uh I like doing art. I'm I liked it ever since I was a kid. And my well, mom sorry. used to like it. So Are you
0: I like it, in, in sharing your art, or is it more something you do like meditation for yourself?
1: Um, I have, I, I, um, I'm doing because it Because you're sharing your, right you're now. sharing
0: your voice now. You're starting to speak up to people and things like well, that. Well, I'm going to
1: put it on Instagram, I think.
0: Okay, well, that's that's that'll
1: be a good way to share it. I'm good. good I think, and otherwise, I don't know what else to put on Instagram. So I think. <laughs> yeah.
0: I'll-
1: I think that's what I'll put on Instagram is my art. Mm. But I like—I uh, told you I was a massage therapist. I like yeah. to draw people. Uh, I like life drawing, and I like landscape too. I—I like—I um, like lots of different things. I like abstract art. I—I I like lots of different things. But um, what I'm doing right now is mostly landscape, portrait, um, life drawing and we're we're working with the vaults uh, from the museum and drawing from masters and stuff so it's really super mm-hmm. fun and it depends on the the teacher some of them they're from i think probably the Ontario College of Art and Design and they're teaching online and so i have access to
0: Oh wow jeez yeah. yes it's really I wonderful. think the education system is is moving online i'm a teacher and i teach online now it's like Oh you do is huh? moving online yeah
1: yeah, and how yeah. do you like it? How do you like uh, well, it? Well, for Are me, let, let's it? say
0: I'm in a little I'm in a little village in, in um we just moved out here uh, outside of France called Fontainebleau and, and and we have a a garden and I have two kids and my wife's here and and so I don't have to take the train to Paris which is like an hour each way. Um mm. and uh and uh, so 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 actually I do like it. Yeah. I mean it's 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 you it teach gives it me a, a lot of time to uh, it gives me it yeah, it liberates time for, for me to do the things that I, I, I love to do. So yeah.
1: Are you teaching in French?
0: I'm teaching in English actually. Yeah, I'm an English teacher. So I teach at like Science Po, I teach these media classes and um these oh, sort okay. of civilization classes. You know, because Oh, well, that's handy. Yeah. Yeah, I'm an Anglophone. Uh, I probably have picked up this weird French accent since I've been here. But
1: <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I think yeah. a little bit. Yeah. 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 People say that. Well, I'm from Alberta and yeah. I lived in Montreal and I lived in Boston and now I live in Toronto. So my Alberta accent that people say they recognize,
0: oh, it's, I don't it's, think
1: it's as strong as some of the people that I grew up with that are still there.
0: Yeah, but it's it's got a charm to it. I like it. Um,
1: oh, thank you. Do <laughs> uh,
0: do you, do you uh, what's the name of the town you're from again? Uh, I I was trying to Fairview. Remember, Fairview, uh, Alberta. I, Fair I wanted to also Alberta. ask you how growing up in the Canadian North, like you're right near the Arctic Circle up there, aren't you? Or maybe I'm exaggerating, but well, it's close. But, but yeah. you're like at the you you're from the edge of the world, you know? Um, yes. And I was thinking about. Um, I, re- I read somewhere about like the, the artists come from from the province, right? They don't come from the city; uh. they come from the province to the city. And so, I think you and Jordan kind of uh, are sort of uh, <laughs> fulfill that archetype in a way. Yeah,
1: um, I- yeah. Well, it was definitely it was definitely not the center of the world; it wasn't. But it was kind of like the top of the world because we lived oh. on a plateau, and you could see for miles and miles. It was just beautiful at night. When I left home when I was 18, I moved to Montreal and I missed home, you know, and I missed the quiet because it was so quiet where I was from. When I look my bedroom window, I could look out my bedroom window and there was just the country was out there. It was when I was Mm. a little girl, you know, so it was a lovely place for its quietness and it's the nature. But Jordan and I used to go for a drive when we were in high school. We were friends in grade 12 um, and we would go drink some beer and we would go drive west of town and park on the hill and you could see 50 miles away you mm. could see a string of lights of the neighboring little town of 2000 people but the stars would be there and then you could see s- strings of lights and that was the horizon and it was those towns were 50 miles away it was mm. beautiful when we lo- when we moved to boston and we went to the ocean all the time it kind of reminded me of the prairie because you can see so far when you it's look out into the ocean.
0: Feeling yeah. that vast open panoramic. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I mean. Canada's and I have like- a
1: cottage now. I have a cottage now north of Toronto, about oh. three hours.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and when I first went up there,
0: is it in Muskoka? Uh, George- Muskoka, yeah. Oh wait, wait. It's in Muskoka. Oh, this is this is where like. This is where our family cottage was. <laughs> Lake Rosso in Muskoka. Oh,
1: Lake Rosso. I know yeah. Lake Rosso. We
0: yeah. we sold it in nineteen ninety-nine, but we had this island there. Yeah.
1: Uh-huh. My my sister, her husband, his family have an island on on Lake Rosso. Mm,
0: maybe it's my old island. Who <laughs> <don't> knows? <laughs> well, they've had
1: it a long time, I think. Uh-huh. I think. Okay. Yeah, it has two big houses on it.
0: Mm. And my
1: sister swims around it every morning. Oh, yeah, but okay. when I went up there, if you go outside at night, it's so dark, you know, that you can put your hand up to touch the person in front of you and you can't see where they are. It's so dark. It's just like molasses, black, mm. pitch black. And that's where we grew up. We grew up. So I took Jordan up to Muskoka and I took him out in the middle, you know, nine o'clock at night, 10 o'clock at night. And we were standing outside and I said, remember this, because this is where we grew up. We spent the evenings together when we were like eight, nine, 10 years old, looking at the Northern lights and playing tag outside and, you know, just being kids, but it gets pitch black there. I mean, in the in the summer, it's still, you can take a f- picture at midnight, so it doesn't get dark, but in the winter, it's dark all the time. I went to school in the dark and I came home in the dark. It was mm. dark, but I missed that darkness. And then when you go out into the country, and there's no city lights and there's no street lights. That's great. Yeah. There's something great about that. Oh, I
0: agree with you. Yeah. yeah. The only yeah. time that we have that here is when at three in the morning, they turn off the lights. So sometimes I wake up at three in the morning and go, cause there's a big forest around me and just walk outside to get, to get this primordial darkness. Yes. Um, yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I studied, uh, I started, I studied astronomy in Montreal and, I went home to Northern Alberta and I was looked up at the sky and it was completely different. It was the first time that I realized how far I had moved and then come back because all the constellations had moved from the horizon. From when you
0: were a child, you mean the constellations? No,
1: from Montreal, Yeah, from Montreal to Northern Alberta. So Montreal, if you go across is kind of like Northern California. And where I'm from, if you go across is like Labrador, Oh, so way way up north,
0: uh-huh. right?
1: And the and the whole celestial sphere is different, and uh, that was very apparent after I'd studied it and then moved back home. Because hmm. yeah. I really like I think God is outside. You said that before. God's God is outside. outside. That should be
0: that should be a a, a slogan or a t shirt or a meme. I think. I heard I heard you say yeah. that. and I thought oh God is outside. <laughs> That's a good meme. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: God's inside, but he's also outside.
0: Yeah, because <laughs> normally we say God is inside, don't we? It's kind That's of right. a cliche, right? It's, oh, look inside yourself and all that. You know. That's right. Uh-huh.
1: No, whenever I'm pondering something, I can go for a walk. And, uh, you know, the wind and the trees and just being outside is very contemplative. It's a good place to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now Jordan's walking. He walks three, three hours a day. At least Hmm. three hours a day, Hmm. and uh, you know he was brought to that because he has to. It makes him feel calmer. But he never would have walked before. He wasn't didn't have time. He was always working. But now he gets to walk, and so in a way, even though it's happened to him and he's not well, I think that that's a gift that he can walk. That's a that's a real good. Uh, uh-huh,
0: uh-huh. Three hours of walking is, is uh, yeah, I remember that the filmmaker Werner Herzog says the only way you can really see the world is by by walking, you know, it's long, long distances or, or something like that. Like he walked oh, yeah, all the way he, he could walked could all walk. the way from Germany to Paris to, to meet this filmmaker and, and uh, he
1: did, huh? oh yeah. my goodness. Yeah, George he, thinks he could walk hundred miles a day and not be <sighs> and not be tired. He said his feet get so they're kind of worn out, but he's fine. Uh-huh. I thought, wow. That's strong.
0: That might just heal him, too. Uh, I mean, I I don't know. I I don't want to get into the the stuff. Um, hmm. The healing
1: stuff, but yeah. Well, I don't think it'll hurt. That's for sure.
0: Yeah. Hmm.
1: I'm a very happy person now, no matter what.
0: I think you're no a storyteller too. I think you have a gift for telling stories, like the way well, you. my t- dad
1: told good stories. The, the way you, you. tell,
0: with the way you talk about things, uh, has has, it, it's, uh, it's 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 it seems to have a, a a narrative that you can follow, and 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 you know you want to go there. And
1: uh, oh, that's good. Oh, thank you. That's good to know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'm just so maybe
0: excited. this, like, um, you know, coming up and talking to people. Maybe I don't know. How, how enthusiastic are you about doing that? I mean, it must be kind of terrifying after everything your husband no, has been no, through. No, it's you, not because not I just give no. it to
1: God. I give it to God. I say, okay, let's go do this, and then we go do it.
0: <laughs> you have no, you have no God. fear of 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 what putting yourself out into the into the world would would do. I mean. I mean, you're talking no, to I me don't. and not the Globe and Mail, obviously, but. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> right. You could be talking to the Globe and Mail, but you're talking yeah. to me. Yeah.
1: Well, I think if I was talking to them, I'd do a lot more listening and a lot less talking, probably. Uh-huh. When I don't, yeah, when I don't know who I'm talking to, then it's just listening.
0: Hmm. Right.
1: And then helping, the, you know, helping them become more clear about who they are. Because that's what you're doing. You're helping people come clear, come become more clear about themselves by well, inviting I, them on and get letting them talk.
0: Oh uh, yeah, uh, that's that's a so. nice way to look at it. Um, I, I, again, I feel like I'm doing that for myself in a way. Like your husband said, when you start something, do it badly. And when I started doing podcasts, I I, I didn't know what I was doing whatsoever. And you know, I, I guess I, I guess it it starts something starts to happen, but but um, but it's. Uh, um yeah, I, I, it's, it's a strange thing because I always thought I'd be a musician and somehow I'm here ta- talking to all these people on, on YouTube and it seems to be a thing. Well,
1: well we're so isolated now. We, we have to, don't we? I mean, I'm very yeah. lucky. My son lives at the end of the street and he has a little baby. And so I get to see them.
0: Yeah.
1: And uh, my daughter and her husband, they had COVID. So we get to see them too. So I'm quite fortunate. And I have a couple of friends who live alone. I see them as well. So I have a little bubble of people that I see, and I'm very grateful for that. But we, a lot of people are very, very, very isolated. And so this Zoom and these interviews have become even more important than they were before this Hmm. all happened.
0: Hmm. I didn't really think of that. Yeah. And maybe that's true.
1: Oh, I think it's true for sure. And I don't get tired of it either really I mean maybe I don't do it that much
0: but also you would just you know in in the past you would just talk to the people in your neighborhood or or your relatives or you know what talking I'm talking to you I'm talking to John Verveke. I'm talking to all these very interesting people um you know and the, and the conversation seems to be about something real it seems to be like um it seems to be about about you know unveiling you know finding the truth it, it doesn't seem to be about exploitation or 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 or, or, or playing any kind of game or or any of that. Um,
1: Yeah. Well, I think uh, I did enough of that when I was younger and it didn't work.
0: Yeah. Mm.
1: It just didn't work. So now I'm just trying to be, I'm trying to be very authentic um, and I'm trying to find out all kinds of things about myself and ways that I can be uh, of service in the world. So this is something interesting that's happened. I, uh, Have um, an opportunity to mentor uh, a student who is going to U of T and studying kinesiology. I studied kinesiology when I was young, uh, a young woman. And so that'll be a good thing to do. And I don't think that I was.
0: You needed to do so much body work. Why was the body so important to you?
1: Hmm. Why was the body? Well, My dad used to read Playboy magazines all the time, so all I saw was bodies when I was a little girl.
0: (laughs) And you wanted to be like those women?
1: (laughs) Uh, I didn't know what to think of that. I was a really little kid, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I thought, what? Like, these women are beautiful, but, you know, there was always a little bit of hesitation about (laughs) what that was about. But I think that it stopped me from any kind of um, nervousness about the body. Oh, hmm. So even if, it would, even if it wasn't perfectly good for me that that was around, um, it did give me something that now I, I mean, I have all kinds, I do a lot of life drawing, as I said, so I have all sorts of nudes that I've drawn uh, through the years. And I'd given some to my sister and I gave some to my dad. And then my mom, my mom passed away and he got a girlfriend and she took all my p- pictures and put them in the garage. <laughs> <laughs> my sister came by and said, are you going to hang those up? No. She said, oh, I'll take them home. So she has them hanging in her place. But um, they're very, um, some of them are quite sketchy, abstract. You know, mm-hmm. uh, they're not. I don't do. Uh, I'm not as interested in really long, sustained work as I am. At, I'm really interested in um, communicating with the model. If I'm with the, and seeing the lines and expressing the lines on paper,
0: mm-hmm.
1: then I am about getting every. It, well, getting everything right is good too. If I can do that, but I expect myself to do it in a gesture. Uh
0: huh. Quickly, uh,
1: you know, I want so to get of a right. uh,
0: Sort of a, an immediate um, expression. Mm-hmm. expression. Um, yeah,
1: the feeling of it. And mm-hmm. so my, my relationship with my body, I started doing yoga when I was 13. My aunt taught me, gave me a book on yoga, and I took it home, and I did it every day. Um, but I was already, uh, when I skated, I could skate well. When I swam, I could swim well. I became a lifeguard. When I played volleyball, I went to the provincials. When I... Um, curled, I went to the Nationals. I just, I was a good sportsman, except for when I played baseball, I got hit in the head. I got hit in the head when I was 18 and it knocked me just completely out. I had the stitches of the ball imprinted on the side of my head and black eyes. And uh, then I had neck pain and back pain for years after that, years and years and years. So I used to do a lot of yoga to try to stop having so much pain. I finally got traction on my neck, severe traction. Hmm. And that, along with some osteopathy, solved my neck problems. But uh, since then I've used cold laser therapy and I've lasered my my brainstem a lot because I know that if you have a severe concussion, hmm. uh, it can come in back and, and bite you, uh, your cognitive abilities later in your life. Hmm. It can be bad for your memory. Maybe some dementia, so I know that it's best to heal the inflammation that that was caused at that time. And so I use a cold laser to uh, treat that.
0: Hmm.
1: And I used cold laser in my massage therapy practice. Uh, the laser I use is called Bioflex laser, and it was someone in Toronto who developed it. And uh, I have arthritis in my knees and my thumbs, and I don't have any really I don't have arthritis anymore. I lasered my thumbs and my knees for a long time and then I changed my diet and I took out all carbohydrates because they're inflammatory and now I don't have any inflammation in my body. So I've always been, so, um, a lot of Michaela's, um, curiosity about different ways to heal Mm -hmm. came from me because I had celiac disease. And so I was always searching to feel better. Uh And so, Mm -hmm. like, I changed my diet 20 years ago. Uh, first, I gave up grains, and I felt a lot better. And so by the time Mick was changing her diet, I would already given up half the foods that were available by then. And so when she decided to give up the rest of the foods... It was. I only had to go halfway. I'd already given up most of it.
0: <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> it wasn't that
1: much to give up anymore.
0: Uh-huh, uh-huh. But it's
1: kind of funny because I don't. I eat lamb. Yeah. I eat lamb and I drink water. Uh
0: huh.
1: And that's my diet.
0: It's lamb. It's, it's not beef.
1: No, I I ate beef for a long time, but my digestion was never good. So now I eat lamb, and it's much better. Hmm. So I don't know lamb what it is water. about. Beef fat, but uh, I have. A I was wondering if it's because
0: up. you're you are so from so, so far north that you have an Eskimo.
1: I think I have an Eskimo. <laughs> you have Eskimo guys.
0: blood or something uh, in you. Yeah, um,
1: that must be it. That must uh, be it. Well, my my um, housekeeper today was saying in the north of the Philippines they eat rice and they make and they grow rice. Yeah. In the south of the Philippines they don't eat rice at all, and if they do, they have stomach
0: aches. Oh, oh, interesting. Is't that interesting? So it's a nor it might be a northern thing in, in some sense. Or, I know I, I've met a bunch of Tibetans and I mean, they didn't eat vegetables, they just eat meat um, and you would think that they're yeah. like Tibetan Buddhists, they would just eat you know vegetarian stuff, but the, all they would eat would, would be like these like you know meat dumplings or something Is that right? Yeah yeah,
1: yeah, yeah true well it it's uh they they think you know, and if you look back at animals. The ones that could eat meat, they mm. were pretty high up on the yeah. scale mm. of, of um, successful animals.
0: Mm. Yeah,
1: and and so it's possible that, I mean, eating eating meat is a it's a it's a, a privilege in a way because, mm. wow, I mean, you have to kill animals to get your meat. Mm. That's quite a that's quite an undertaking and. Uh, and quite a sacrifice. Uh, so, who's going to get that? The king is going to get it, right? The queen is going to get that. But yeah, the people yeah. who are living in the village aren't going to get that.
0: Yeah, they're eating lentils so, and, and potatoes. Yeah. And, mm-hmm, yeah.
1: Right. Interesting. Kind of, that's, that's kind of how I see it, anyway. I, I think that it's, uh, uh, it's, it's possibly the best way to eat, but it's a very difficult and costly. costly in many ways, way to eat, but I have to eat that way or I wouldn't walk or I wouldn't do anything. And I couldn't think, you know, I had a, I had a tooth, a root canal and they gave me painkillers afterwards, some pills and they were gel filled pills and there's gluten in the gel filled pills. And I didn't realize there was gluten in the gel filled pills. So I was driving my car and I won't tell you the whole story, but I, I got lost I got lost. I couldn't find my way. And this is, it, this is in a part of the city that I knew very, very well. I couldn't even see what oh was goodness. in front of me. Mm. you know. And I got home and I said to my daughter that I felt drunk. I didn't know why I felt drunk. And so she looked up the painkiller. She said, mom, there's gluten in those pills.
0: You get drunk on gluten, not even the beer. Drunk just the gluten. on gluten. That's right.
1: That's right. <laughs> so if I have a beer, I'm really gone. But yeah. I would have. I don't think I'd have any memory left anymore either. If I ate a North American diet, I'd have no memory left, and I wouldn't be able to walk or do anything. Mm -hmm. If I ate that way, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So in a way, being reborn. I mean, really, I I eat meat and I drink water. I nearly died from having cancer. Um, I'm feeling pretty blessed here. Just living kind of a very simple and um spiritual life hmm. yeah Hmm. i wondered whether it would go this way <laughs> earlier i wondered if i would ever get to be like this i think i kind of saw it coming
0: <laughs> you felt yourself moving towards that, that direction well i mean it looked like that what you were searching for, that, but you know, you it had to be quite extreme for 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 that to happen to you, I, I suppose. I mean, I'm, it's never happened to me, so, I'm. No. I'm I'm, I'm a spiritual dilettante, like like everybody else. I, I, I haven't, you know, found that yet. But but I, I mean, I can understand. I guess. Um but but I I guess I guess I guess we're all there's some sense we're all reaching for that or or some of us are or... well
1: I think that we're at one with God when we're babies before mm. we're born. I mean, before we're born, when we're in utero, I think we're we're one with God. And then mm. when we're born, uh, we're separated from God. We come into the third dimension and we're we're here on earth. And then we are in pursuit of that oneness again through our lives. Yeah. And then we find it again when we die. And I never read that. I, I imagine it's a but Buddhist But there's a Zen thought.
0: expression that, that when, if you die once before you die, then when you do die, you, w- you won't die. <laughs> so oh. maybe that happened to you. I don't know.
1: <laughs> maybe that happened to me. I don't know. My uncle, my uncle, uh, I had a really wonderful uncle. He was so much fun. Swedish fellow. And he was taking bees down to California uh, when he was about probably 50. And uh, he got a bee sting. And he had an anaphylactic reaction to the bee sting. And he said that his life went black and then he saw a light, a tunnel and a bright light. And then he was brought back awake again. And he said from then on, he was never afraid of death because he knew what there was. And I've heard that from so many people, mm. but I even heard it from my, my uncle,
0: mm. just
1: someone that close to me told me that too. It's Yeah.
0: yeah and it's, it's, I think it's good that you're talking about this because people have these experiences all the time and, and it's taboo. Um, yeah. And it's, it's, we're not allowed to speak about it and, and it's supposed to be unscientific or some kind of nonsense like that. And yet everybody a lot of people i have have had that experience, I think, or, or a lot. I mean, how could you deny that it was something real when, when it's been attested to by so many millions of people? Um,
1: I also, when I was about 17, we went skiing in uh, the um, Rocky Mountains. We went to Sunshine, just outside of Banff, for a Christmas holiday. And I was with my sister, and we knew that at the bottom of the ski hill, after this one... Um, hill that it was going to be flat and you were going to have to really be going fast to get to the um, lift again. Mm -hmm. So we were going at a very good speed and she was ahead of me and she's about seven years older than me. She's my older sister. And I was behind her and I heard her scream. And when I came over the hill, there was a boulder, you know, about the size of someone's desk. It was a big, big boulder. And I was heading straight for this boulder and I closed my eyes and I saw my life flash before my eyes and it only took a second for my life to flash for my, my whole life to flash before my eyes. And when I opened my eyes again, I was by the rock and I never went back to see the tracks. Mm
0: -hmm. I just
1: didn't Mm -hmm. want to know. And then I never skied for seven years. Mm -hmm. You know, it just scared the living daylights out of me, but something about seeing your life all 17 years go by like that really makes you wonder Mm. about what 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 we're doing here what it's all about you know so it, it gave me some curiosity that's for sure I ended up skiing when I was 26 or so and realized you could go slow you didn't have to go fast so I could ski so, you know, you can
0: ski <laughs> just by going slow. Yeah, don't yeah.
1: I was a maniac. I was going
0: fast. <laughs> me too. I was a, I was a maniac. I injured myself a few times skiing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Wow. So you are a grandmother now. Um I am. And uh and I was thinking about how again uh the world needs grandmothers, or the world needs like elder elder women, uh I think it's great that you're talking and, and, and I hope you will talk more to more people and, and uh, I will, you're pretty young for a grandmother, but yeah, we need that. We need that in, in the culture. Cause it seems to be lacking. It's, well,
1: you... I'll pay attention to that. Mm. Hmm. Thank you. It was fun. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much. It was really fun for me too. Yeah. Enormous pleasure.
1: And thanks for your patience with my computer trouble.
0: Oh, no worries. No worries. Okay. And uh, lots of love to you and your family. And thank you so much for 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 talking to me and reaching out.
1: My pleasure. Bye bye.
0: Bye bye. Bye bye.